knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Andrew Apane is from the northwest province of South Africa. And he's currently the chairperson of a non-profit company called Mibala Yarona, which is our colors. And really what Mibala Yarona is doing is a transformation in South Africa. It's providing uh, Africans, black South Africans, the opportunity to get involved in hunting, get involved in ecotourism, get involved in land ownership, get involved in leasing property to generate income in the ecotourism sector, in the consumptive use sector. Andrew fascinated me because he's a black South African who owns farmland that hunts, that now is managing other areas that he's leasing from the government for hunting specifically, i.e. he's generating revenue for himself and his community through the act of sustainable use utilization of wildlife. Naturally, I wanted to have a conversation with him, so we sat down facing each other on couches in Morgan's Bay in South Africa as we were both attending the custodian's annual general meeting and led to a pretty fascinating conversation about a topic that uh, you may not never have heard of, which is totally our style. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic. My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Hmm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Is your phone off? Yeah, I'm going to put it off now. Put it on uh, flat mode. Have you ever been to <laughs> uh, Morgan's Bay before? No, that's my first time. First time in the Eastern Cape? No, I've been to East London. Okay. And then... Uh, we had a conference here, yeah, it was a biodiversity conference um, with the environmental department. Okay. And then what else we did here? I think we did two conferences here. 
Okay, raise that mic up just a little bit. Turn it just a little bit. There we go. Perfect. Is it better now? Yes. There you go. You can hear yourself better <laughs> now, right? We're going to have to make sure when you laugh, yeah. you laugh really loud. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so let me set the scene for everyone. We're looking over the ocean. Crazy, terrible view, right, Andrew? Yeah, very beautiful. Uh. And Andrew, you are a black South African. Yes. That owns land. Yes. As a game farm. Yes. That purposely hunts. Yes. But you didn't grow up hunting. Can I put it in a different way? Of course, put it in your own words. Yes. Not really. We 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 grew up hunting, uh, but uh, uh, we call it hunting. Uh, but it's not really hunting. It's poaching with dogs. Would because you? But let me. Let me. But but is it truly poaching, though? You know, it's, is it really it, poaching? It, it, it's, it's something that we need to discuss because if you say that I'm hunting with dogs on my own land, is right. it poaching or not poaching? Right, and that would be your land, right? Yeah, that would be our land. Yeah, as a kid growing communal, up, communal, it would have been communal your communal land. land communal right? land. Yes, yes. So it was not really poaching per se. The only thing I I I had the element of poaching is because of. Uh, when you hunt on um, uh, a non-game fence land, you need to get a permit from government because those animals belong to government as they are not in a private land, gotcha. even if they are in your own land. Gotcha. So without a they permit... They belong to someone. It belongs to government. It belongs yes. to the government. There you go. So, so oh, it's, uh, there, there's element of poaching in it, but it was done under the circumstances of not knowing what were, let me ask this, what were the circumstances of why you hunted then? We're hunting for meat. Uh, we're looking okay. for protein. Okay. Uh, growing up in a village uh, where the, it's a tough life, the only means is to look for, for, for example, for impala to hunt it or a watok to hunt it with dogs and for you to be able to survive. So, so it was just a matter of hunting for a protein. Andrew, was there a concept? Because this is, you don't live in the world that I live in, right? Yes. I live in this world where people are constantly challenging the construct, yes. the idea of hunting. Yes. Okay? Yes. And one of the things, and this is why I wanted to have this podcast, because we had a little conversation over lunch and I, you didn't realize it, but I stopped talking about it because I wanted it to be on the podcast because we would have <laughs> used the mojo up. Yeah. We get, yes. we get, I get a lot of comments, and I would rate it in the top five or top ten of the things that are often laid on us from a miseducation perspective, and this is what it is. Why don't the Africans want to hunt? Why are they not allowed to hunt? Okay. And the construct that they're coming at it from is a Western hunting construct. So for you ask, if you had to ask me, Robbie, why do you hunt? Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I would say to you, Andrew, is because it's fun. Yes. yes. So let me turn it around to you. Mm -hmm. Think back to when you were a kid. Yes. With dogs. Were you hunting for fun? No. We're hunting for survival. Mm. That was the thing. Um, yes, the, the, there are times where. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There are times where it became fun. 
and i'll give you i'll give you a scenario uh, uh you got i come with my three dogs mm-hmm. and my friend come with his three dogs mm-hmm. and you go hunting one of the things that make it more fun and interesting irrespective of we are hunting for protein is we also compete and see which dog have stamina which dog have so if my dogs beat him mm-hmm. i feel that my dogs have beaten his dogs so there's a little bit of a competition there's a competition mm-hmm. there's fun around it mm-hmm. and uh, and it was we really enjoyed it i don't i don't want to lie uh until then now you get in these days where you expose that uh, we can hunt with guns you know there was a time that we're really debating this and we're saying uh uh maybe we should create even a bit fun into this uh, hunting sport by introducing dog hunting as well and 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 look at it in a manner would that you ever hunt without dogs yes i've done it before but did you in, as a kid as a kid i've hunted with dogs currently i'm hunting with a rifle mm. yes but, but in the community before you entered into the whole economic side of hunting no always with dogs always just with dogs and even if you go back to communities where we are still even trying to teach them the value of of the wildlife they have there's still those dogs hunting activities that are happening and the it's something that it shows that hunting is there mm irrespective of we like it or not um i mean even in our our private farms we got times where the villagers try their luck to come in and hunt with dogs even a private land mm-hmm. by poaching mm-hmm. going back to poaching mm-hmm. to show that we can't run away from hunting hunting will always be there whether done it formally and legally or in a poaching manner but hunting will always be there mm-hmm. And the survival means. Mm-hmm. I mean, on my farm, I got guys that come and hunt strictly for meat. I got a guy who literally eat game meat with his family, mm-hmm. and and it's a good, it's it's a healthy meat. It makes a lot of sense for us that uh, uh, must promote hunting. So we've been talking. I always do this. So seven minutes. I didn't even introduce you. Introduce you, Andrew. Welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Introduce yourself. Tell everyone who you work for, what you work for, yes. what you do. Okay. Thanks so much for for uh, interviewing me, Rob. My name is Andrew Apani. Uh, I'm from the Northwest uh, in South Africa here. Um, I'm a chairperson of uh, a non-profit company called Mebala Yaruna. Mebala Yaruna meaning our colors. And... Uh, Mabala means our colors. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say very is... Very colorful logo. Very colorful. <laughs> and if you look on top of this logo, you will see you got all our big five species. Oh, here. wow. That's awesome. And what we are trying to say is uh, we can create value out of this animal as we create value out of platinum and gold because they are all resources. You don't think that... So maybe... Again, let's. I don't want to make any assumptions here or whatnot. Yeah. Do you believe that your traditional communities do not know the value of the wildlife that they have? What I can say, they used not to know. Okay. 
they used not to know. But currently, I think the education is dripping little bit, little bit into them. Uh, and they start to see that uh, they, there's a value in this. I'll give you an example. In long real days, uh, you'll go hungry dogs, and then you come back, my, your neighbor asks for meat, you give her meat or him meat for free. Mm-hmm. But these days, if you look at how much game meat is in a black market compared to meat that's processed mm-hmm. in the right way, there's a lot of meat running into black market. Mm-hmm. And it is because of that, because... Uh, a young man who's not working in the village will go and hunt with dogs, get a talk, and come back with that talk. There's a teacher in the village who needs meat, and he sells that meat maybe for 500 rand or so, so that, that teacher. So that's the game meat that's trade. The, that's that, the value chain. There's a value chain that's working there. Is that the only value chain for wildlife in the communities right now? Let's, not put, let's, not, let's take hunting out of yeah, it. Yeah. Are there any other value chains for wildlife that the communities are seeing? I think it might be the only value chain that's currently there. What about ecotourism? Ecotourism is there, but, um, you know, when you move from the city, you come to the village, you get a breath. But the people who sit there, they don't realize the best ecotourism attraction they are sitting on. Mm -hmm. That's a difference. Mm -hmm. I mean, we... In a village, you'll go in a village and you see they, they've got a village here and they've got uh, a reserve at the back there where they, or a ranch where they raise cattle and all that. And then when you do your survey, maybe you fly your drone and try to see. You see such a land, beautiful landscape in the areas where they are just using them for grazing of cattle. And you ask yourself a question, why these people... They chose this place to build. They could have chosen that place. It could have been a better view than, you understand what I'm trying to say, mm-hmm. better view than current. Mm-hmm. But because they don't realize or recognize the ecotourism they live within, they end up, they end up the way they are. But the person who comes from outside, he comes in and he sees with a different so viewpoint. much with a different viewpoint, right. so much potential that I can put a lodge in this mountain. It can be the best ever been seen. Mm-hmm. So how did you, Andrew, stumble across the idea that there is a larger economic value to wildlife through hunting? Like, give me, give me the idea. Like, so yeah. you, you went to university? Yes. What yes. did you do at I, university? I did mechanical engineering. And then decided, I don't want to do mechanical engineering anymore? You see, it's, a, it's very interesting. I mean, um, I say... Farming or ranching is a passion thing. Mm. Um, and grew up in a village uh, uh, looking after cattle and seeing the value. I'll give you an example. 60% of my fees at the Technicon, um, which is a technical university currently, up were paid through uh, trading with kettles. Your money? Yes. Okay. And those were my father's kettles. Mm-hmm. So I was selling my father's kettles, taking the money, then I'll go to, uni- to mm-hmm. university and, mm-hmm. and complete my studies. Then I start to realize that uh, farming is life, but only exposed to domestical farming, which is a lifestyle. Then after that, uh, 
getting my own farm, started cattle farming. So how did you get your own farm? You're, because uh, I wanted, the interest was, the intent was to just do cattle farming. Okay. So while we are doing cattle farming, you start to see game roaming on, on the land. And uh, you start to see, no man, there's something here. Let's, let's try to, 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 to get or to harvest responsibility this animals. I, I, hate to, I hate to tell you that your story is not correct. Yeah. But earlier you told me that somehow the government, you got some permits. No, no, no. I'm getting there. Okay, getting okay, there. okay, okay. You don't get a permit before you, you create interest. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. You, are, you are farming with kettles here. Mm. And because you are not cape fenced. Okay. No? Yeah. So, but you see, if so, you so that original your original cattle ranching was not fenced. You were you yeah. were leasing community land from the government. Government, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it's a cattle fence, not game fence. So okay. it doesn't have those. Oh, gotcha, yeah. gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yes, yeah. it's fence. Simple barbed simple, wire. Yeah, simple barbed wire. Okay. So you see, I mean, could we will jump? Sure. Today's in my land. Tomorrow's in my neighbor's land, and, and all that. But you start to see that. There might be value created out of this. Why? Why did you think that? Because you look at it, you look at this piece, you see that why can't I harvest this meat? But you could. You, but you, your mindset was the same. How did it, why did your mindset switch from you as a child with dogs hunting for the pot for meat to now seeing, this, seeing the impala as something different? One thing, number one is, you don't want, if you are in a cattle, cattle farm, what you don't want, there's, remember there's still those boys like you that are growing up that want to come and hunt with dogs on your property. Correct. Poaching your property. So you try to avoid that. Okay. And you start to say, uh, let's look at this in a different manner. Now you, you, you become more biodiversity uh, uh, aware. Okay. of how things works. And you ask yourself a question. If I hunt with dogs, for example, yes, it's fun, but the dogs, they catch is what they catch. When I hunt with a rifle, I choose what to shoot, mm. which, can be, which can be for two things. If I shoot for meat, I know what to shoot. If it's a trophy hunt, we know that which animal to save their lives because if They've, been, they've lived their life. They don't even have teeth anymore. They are struggling on the farm. You can even see them that they still just die. So you are saving them from their misery. Mm. So those are two different things. That's why I say people they don't understand hunting, that you've got two perspectives. And even in kettles, we, we go to extend that uh, you get a cow that is getting so old that it doesn't have teeth anymore. So what do you do? Put in a feedlot, feed it, and slaughter it for meat. It's, it goes like that. Otherwise, it's going to die. Mm. And is it worth it to leave it to die in the field? Or is it worth it to preserve it by hunting or by putting a feedlot as a livestock and, and harvest it and take that money and look after others? Mm. <laughs> you understand what I'm trying to say? Oh, I get what you're so, saying. So it's a. It, 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 I get confused. People say, there's no trophy hunter come and hunt young animals. They hunt old animals. Number two, they save them from their misery. I'm a game farmer as well in my other life. 
and I see. Explain what a game farmer is for someone who doesn't know what a game farmer is. A game farmer is a person who preserves animals. If you look in Africa, South Africa is the only country with number raising of the wildlife. Wildlife numbers increasing. Numbers increasing. Mm. The reason being is driven by private land, uh, game ranchers. Mm-hmm. Because so you, you raise prison. animals and you sell animals to other people? We ranch animals properly. You're ranching animals. Yeah, mm. properly. That's, that's the nice part about it. Mm. We avoid inbreeding. Mm. You understand? You go around in a the, in the place where they are not doing proper game ranching. There's a lot of inbreeding. The horns start to go skews. Mm-hmm. You, you understand? You mm-hmm. lose the genetics, proper genetics. But you come to private landowners, we always change blood. We always want to improve our genetics. And um, I think the government must be in a position that they'll support. Because you can't, you can't keep oiling a car or service a car without driving it. You need to drive it for 15,000 Ks or so. Then after that, you come and service it. So the same as ranching. You can't keep. Uh, preserving without uh, harvesting. Mm-hmm. So you need to preserve, harvest, build cash flow to even preserve even further mm-hmm. and to build it for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Because without doing that, then we will lose a lot, lot of species. I mean, if you look at how many uh, rhinos are in private hands performing compared to rhinos in uh, parks, there's a huge difference. Mm-hmm. More in the more in the parks, more right? In, more in the private heads. Oh. <laughs> so what? Yeah, so yeah. you see these, you see these impala, you see these warthogs, yeah. on your see, cattle, and then what? From then we decided and said, no, let's let's get one guy and see. Then, I but mean, how did you know that you could hunt? Did you? No, no. We, I'm we, trying we, to just like get into your brain here in the moment to yeah. say like, what was that switch that said to Andrew? Huh. I think someone would come and hunt that. Remember, 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 even in the village, even if you go to my village, during the winter time, the chief will still sell packages. All the chiefs around Northwest come the March, April. The Department of Environmental will give them permit to allow pe- So people, they still hunt with rifles. On but they're bringing, so the chiefs are getting permits from the environment. They're not for asking for them. The environmental saying, yeah, if environmental you will come and say, actually every year, they'll say, because of you are living on uh, 20,000 acres, 20,000 acres, so please, uh, uh, you will have maybe three impalas, four impalas and all. So they, then, the, the, the white farmers around there or the white people around the areas in the cities, we, you, they, are, they know that they must come to a chief, then the chief will give them a permit, then they'll pay the chief a certain money, then they'll go So you knew hunt. that system was in place? The system was in place. Okay. But... Um, you hadn't tapped into the system we have yet. We never tapped into the system yet. We were doing it our way, mm. you know, because uh, we're not tapping in a, in, a, in, a, in a... What do you call it? In a permit system, yeah. And so you had that first hunter come... Then, yeah, then, then we have the first hunter come. We had kudu. I think there were three kudus, a watok. Uh, yeah. Three and, kudus and a watok, yeah. And I assume you have kept hunting since then. 
I never looked back. Why? Number one is the guy who hunted on our farm. Remember on our village what we were doing? We were hunting and then processing meat was also a challenge because we can only make build up because we hang it outside mm -hmm. and then we cook the rest. Mm -hmm. So this guy come and hunt on my farm. And after hunting, he take the meat away. He brings back to me uh, patties. He brings back to me mince. He brings back to me beltong. He brings back to me meat to cook. Mm. And I start to say, wow. That means the same, the same processing that I'm getting out of beef. I can get it out of, out of, out of uh, uh, game. Mm. And I can get it even better because it's more healthier. Then he explained to me mm -hmm. how this thing works. Mm -hmm. know? Then I asked him, now, uh, we say game is lean. Say, yes, game is lean, but I've put uh, in a verse uh, um, some pork it? fat? Some, no, no, no. Um, uh, the sheep tail fat. You know, oh, okay. Sheep yeah, tail yeah, yeah. fat. Mm -hmm. Explain to me how it works. Some say, no, I've put um, the brisket fat. Mm -hmm. Explain it to me, mm -hmm. you know. Because, again, remember in our cultures, black people, there are people who doesn't eat pork and all that. So he took that in consideration as well because he thought maybe I'm not a pork sure, eater sure, or sure. something like that because yeah, yeah. Of, of Christian beliefs. Mm -hmm. So I start to realize that. Then when we move, then I said, no, we must keep, I must look for a, for a, for a, for a, um, um, hunting farm so that I can have a game rancher that I can do this as a business. Was it, was but it my, more, more, go ahead, sorry. but for me was more into meat because I really enjoy the meat and I said I know these people in the villages, they buy it cheap but they still love the taste. You understand? So if you can improve the taste by processing that meat even better, mm. there's a clientele. Did you not, and again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, yeah. was it more economically more advantageous when you saw the hunter who would come in and what he would pay you as compared to what you were doing with cattle? Was it the same? Was it different? Was it more? Was it less? Um, it's a difficult question because remember, game is roaming. Okay. I just get a permit from government to mm -hmm. hunt. By then, we, I was not buying game. So it, it was like a freebie turning it into. Gotcha. So whether he paid me by then 1500 it's something to me. Sure. Because it was just for me anyway. It's go to my neighbor. It's no longer mm -hmm. mine. It's my neighbor's one. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. So even though it happens, the, the, the thing, the, the, the game changer, there was meat more than monetary monetary issues was it meat yeah. also was it also because maybe you didn't have to get rid of one of your cattle yes because you're, right. you're not you're yeah. not reducing yes. you got an economic you're asset there yeah, right? you got economical assets so it's substitute correct I, I was supposed maybe to slaughter a sheep or to slaughter a correct. cow but instead of doing that I had a game that's coming from gotcha. the hunter that came then now I saved my sheep. Or you so could sell that sheep to someone else and make, and make money. Because we have protein at home. Right. And with better protein because it's even healthier. Right. And fortunate enough, the kids loved it. Sure. They enjoyed it. Sure. I'm telling you, my kids only love 
Kudu Kudu Petis. Kudu Petis. They don't want anything else. That's crazy. (laughs) Okay, so now let's let's talk a little bit about Mbala. Yeah, Mbala. Okay, Mbala. Sorry, my bad. What is Mbala? So in because there's a reason why we're having this conversation, right? Yeah. Again, to to put a fine edge on who you are. Yeah. You are a black African who is in the game ranching. Yeah. And again, that's, you know, it's still, you're still a very, very, very minority yeah. component of hunting. Yeah. Yeah. But Mabala is almost the, is being set up as a way to empower yes. more. Empower, educate, and make sure that uh, we get more new entrants from PDIs, which are previously disadvantaged into the system of uh, wildlife. So Mebala, I'm a chairperson of Mebala, okay. Yarona. I'm also a founder of Mebala, Yarona. So okay. when Mebala started... What does the Varona mean? Mebala. No, Mebala, Varona. Mebala, Yarona. Our colors. Oh, our colors. Yeah. In total. Mebala, Mebala is colors. Okay. Yarona is our. Yarona is our. Yeah, our okay. colors. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so we started... The government by then... They looked and see, uh, we need to create a platform of education or of, of uh, awareness mm. about the wildlife economy to the Northwest uh, uh, people. Okay. And Mebala was formed. Luckily by then, because uh, I already showed interest in the, in the game ranching, I was but one of the people who were elected uh, to serve in that committee. By then, I was just an additional member okay. in, the, in the committee. And uh, we had a very big conference uh, where we invited uh, different institutions, WRSA, all further by then, the custodians were not there yet. Uh, and uh, we invited universities, we invited... Uh, uh, big role players in the industry mm-hmm. to come to the conference. So it was a three-day conference where we were just discussing uh, and the game ranch owners were discussing what makes what makes a wildlife economy meaningful compared to normal ranching of cattle ranching or all that. Right. Yeah. And we even had an auction there okay. and that night. And so that the, the, the black people or PDIs that are there can see the value into this. So it was a very big event. And this was a game auction. Yeah, it was a game auction as well. Then we saw that. Then after that function, because I'm, I'm involved in, in Mebala as an additional director, so I learn, I see, I beat people. You know, then I say, no, there's no telling back. Mm. There's really no turning back. Then that's how I, I managed to, to, to get hold of Kuduberg, which is our f- current f- game ranch, Kuduberg okay. farm. Yeah. And uh, Mebala, so continued with that. I think that, that was 2008. We continued with it. And then uh, after a year, we saw that now Mebala is, is, a, is a formal organization. Uh, and then it was supported by game ranchers. I mean, 
we had a guy who was a director based on Nomen Adami, who's one of the big uh, uh, breeders, uh, you might know him, was also mm -hmm. big in the SAB. Uh, okay, guys. yeah, I don't know him. Yeah, but... and then we had uh, uh, Mike Engelzakis. Okay. Mike Engelzakis is one of the guys who did this country a big favor. Why is that? When, when, when the private ranching started, Michael Angus, Angus Agus is a guy who decided, because by then all the, the buffaloes were owned by government and mm -hmm. all that, and we had the issues of TBs and mm -hmm. all that. He's the only guy who decided to go in all the zoos worldwide to go and buy back all the buffaloes. Really? Very interesting stuff. But we'll discuss about it one day. <laughs> so he bought all them. I remember he told me that the first group that he bought, it was from Japan, and he bought all the females from the zoo from Japan. And immediately they landed in the country. People were crying to buy them from him. Wow. And he's been known as one of the best buffalo breeders mm. in, the, in the country. Okay. As well. So all these buffaloes you see, mm. people buying with a lot of money, they are from his bloodline. Mm. Yeah. So they were there, they were guiding us, they were teaching us how this thing is done. And, uh, and it, it was quite, it, it's been a quite an interesting journey. And so Mabala when did, so Mabala started in 2008? 2008, yeah. Okay. And you've been the chairperson how long? I've been the chairperson since last year. Okay. But I've been with it since the beginning. So Mabala is more focused on the transformation of the wildlife industry. Okay. So what we'll do is we'll go and have a meeting with the uh, Department of Environmental and the Park Sport, and then we'll, we'll do auction of the excess animals on, on the parks. Then uh, after doing that auction, they'll have their reserve price mm -hmm. and say, our impala we want, for example, 1,500. Okay. So if we sell that impala by 2,000 rand, that means we have Pazia excess price. Then we'll take 30% of that and then we'll build it into our NPC. Then from there, we'll take that money from NPC and develop communities. We've done a very good job. Uh, we ran five projects successfully. What are those projects? Number one, it was a project of uh, one young game farmer who had, at least he had a fence, but he never had uh, a hunting lodge facility so that when clients come, they mm -hmm. can sleep. So they were sleeping in the neighbor. Mm -hmm. We built that. Okay. Built that, donated to him, excited the business running successfully. Now he can, ha he can host his own uh, hunters on the farm. Yep, yep. That was a good project. The other one was uh, a community that uh, handled farm but all their boreholes were not performing well. We got a, a hydro, 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 whatever engineer okay. yep. into the into into the farm. He looked for the water. He got the water. They had the best water ever. Nice. So we bought made boreholes for them mm -hmm. because farming without water you can't. The other project that we did was that was successful. Uh, it was also a lodge, but the lodge was there but was a bit dilapidated, so we had to take off all the roofs and mm. re-roof it and make mm. it nice. 
we did an, another interesting project that was not really in game but was in bioprospecting. Very interesting. Okay. So this uh, cooperative, they are doing uh, a plant called Davis Claus. Okay. Uh, in our language, we call it Sengaparile. And the other one is Cancer Bush. Okay. They do all this, uh, these two uh, uh, plants. So we help them because... Some are, sort of pharmaceutical... Yeah, pharmaceutical plants. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So we help them to plow. And we came up with uh, uh, tractors okay. and all plowing equipment of that plant. And they are doing very, very well. They are still struggling with the market. Mm -hmm. uh, but the biggest importer of this plant is Germany. So we are trying to look at the links to link them mm -hmm. uh, for them to start doing mm -hmm. the, the export. So we have been doing, we've been doing very well. We need more. Sure, of course. We need more. We can do little projects. Uh, but if we can have more big partners, have more money coming through, there are so many projects that need us to move in. And uh, Game Ranch is a very expensive uh, uh, business. That's number one. If you, you can have two kettles, it's fine. you know. Mm -hmm. But to fence um, 500 hectares, firstly, to keep animals in, it's costing arm and a leg. Yeah, for sure. And you can't fence it if you can't afford to buy animals with them in. So right. it's quite a financial intense. Yeah, capital, uh, in, capital, capital intensive, intensive yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you have statistics? Could you say, would you know today, because of Mabala, how many new black Africans are in hunting slash game ranching today? Yes. Um, I will say uh, between 2008 and current, Mebala managed, firstly managed to, remember we, had, we got a department called Land Reform Department okay. in, the, in the country, which cascades down into the province. So we managed to convince the land reform in the, in the province to start considering buying game farms for the black people to lease those farms. Mm -hmm. In olden days, they were only buying livestock farms, cattle farms with a mm. normal fencing, yeah, by, yeah, by yeah. strain fence. Okay. But up to date, we, I can tell you, we have over 15 farms. And that is leased? That is leased by black people and procured. And who and owns that? that? The that government out. owns that now. The government owns, but okay. the black people lease those farms. And who has and to maintain it? Who has to maintain the farms? The lease. The lease. The lease must maintain the farm. Okay. How many but acres do you think, or hectares do you think that is? Yeah, I will say mm, they just bought another big farm. I'm not sure in terms of the. Uh, the oh, or maybe then better estimate, question. Estimate. I'll give you now. Uh, this one or some about. Yeah, that's over hundred thousand hectares. 100,000 hectares. Yeah. Do you think that is everyone is let me see how it counts. Is everyone hunting those 100,000 hectares? I'll say Let me ask this. Let me ask a better question. Yeah. What is the predominant land use of those 100,000 acres? 100,000 hectares. Sure. That's a difficult question. 
um, I'll say sixty percent are effective. Sixty percent are using are using hunting as a land use. As a land use. What would the other forty percent be using it for? Ranching. They'll be. They'll be. They'll be. They'll be. Because I cl I classify be, grain they, ranching yeah, away from hunting. There'll be land that uh, maybe is not used uh, because for nothing. Yeah, because the community maybe is not using that land. There'll be land that is used for for even though it was meant for game, but because people didn't understand the industry well, mm. then they opt for livestock. Then okay. they put cattle into that. Okay. This may be a little bit of a loaded question, but I think I've led you down this road. Yeah. yeah. Of the 100,000 hectares, yeah. why are they not using it for ecotourism? Yeah. Um, let, me, let me, you know, when you talk ecotourism. Wildlife viewing. No, no. Let's say ecotourism. When you talk ecotourism, one of the things that's very critical is you must have a, a lodge, for example. 100%. On the farm. 100%. And then when you do hunting, I might get an outfitter to come and hunt for a day and take those people back mm. where they are staying. And the investment so you of, don't need the lodge. You don't need a lodge. Mm. So the investment into a lodge, if you're a community, poor community, without enough support, it's difficult to do ecotourism. It's better would to they prefer? Would they prefer to do ecotourism? They prefer to do mixed. Okay. Ecotourism and hunting. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Because you need to control numbers as well. Mm -hmm. So you need to harvest. And the only way to harvest is through hunting. Mm -hmm. If you really want to add more value. Oh, no. You, you, you just said it yourself. You can do game ranching. Yeah. That game ranching, you sell the excess, someone comes with a truck, rounds them up, and that yeah, gets rid yeah, of your excess. Yeah, yeah but, but there's a catch. What's the catch? The catch is if you sell the culling, the price is low, fairly low. If you sell live animal, yeah. the, the, the process of capturing yeah. animal yeah. kills the value. If you hunt, mm. the price always high mm. and there's no any other extra cost mm. towards you that make you cut your profits down. That's the difference. And I've, I'm practicing that. I know it. Mm -hmm. You hunt you hunt a buffalo, uh, you get 10 rand. You want to capture and sell a buffalo, you need to catch the buffalo with a helicopter. You need to get a vet to dart the buffalo. You need to put that buffalo for at least three weeks in a bomber feeding him or her. So you get one uh, rand. Yeah. At the end of the day, out of the 10 rand, you got four rand at mm -hmm. least. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I could have hunted it, I could have got my 10 rand in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And maybe the outfitter doesn't need meat. Then I could have even fed my community without meat. Mm a good model best but you said a better model not the best the better model would yeah. be if they had the opportunity yeah. for that very large capital investment to put a lodge in for ecotourism yeah. they would mix the two land uses with ecotourism and hunting together yeah. i mean let me give you you fly a guy from america mm -hmm. 
bring him in makes money out of his accommodation mm-hmm. that's a good thing yeah to and creating jobs right that's another thing because our interest is my balance to see lot of people being working within this wildlife economy okay. creating jobs with wildlife mm-hmm. so the guy comes there he leave money for staying leave money for hunting and also leave the meat at the end of the day mm-hmm. to feed the people away mm-hmm. so you get more value add uh, uh compared to when he just outfitter brings him for a day and he takes him away sure sure yeah i like it i like it yeah yeah um thank you andrew i really appreciate it man no. i'm glad we got to know each other a little bit more and yes maybe we'll do some more work together in the no, future no, we we are yeah, we we Mebala is looking to to go to Dallas. Mm. Um, we'll see uh, you in Dallas then. Yeah, and uh, present and see who are there that would like to partner with us and want to bring to come to South Africa uh, and invest in this uh, sure. transformation and all that. And I think you'll be our gatekeeper <laughs> <laughs> and to show us the right direction. So well, I really, appreciate I'm you, Andrew. Really well, I'm, I, I'm. I love the idea. Yeah, I love yeah. when, as, as soon as Jacques was introduced us yeah. and started talking about it, I, you know, yeah. it, it's it, uh, it hits on the things that I constantly hear. Yes, yes. You know, it yeah. hits on the things that oh, the blacks aren't. You know, you guys are just pushing them to the side, and yes. they're not getting any empowerment, yes. and there's nothing. Yeah. The communities doesn't want. They don't want this. And no, no, no. It's a it's a lack of knowledge, mm. and Mibala is there to close that gap. educate i mean we do conferences where we call these communities we call the chiefs we explain to them how things works i mean even andrew apane when he started with game ranching i didn't know how to put prices mm. but now i do my own pricing i don't even need anyone to help me with sure. those because it's a it's a thing that you start to understand let let me put a record of the past auctions and work on the minimums and get average then i can know that yes this year the the eland has been performing very well because it's scarce mm. so i'm going to put my eland there mm-hmm. and then impalas are too many on my farm and i want to reduce them i'll put it a bit there mm. so the client sees that way but i know i'm doing a, a felt management on impalas and i'm making money on there mm-hmm. And the island yeah. so that uh, this biodiversity is balanced yeah so you understand now how to how to manage and do things right you yeah know? and as you said whereas before when we get there say no let's start come hand whatever you want and let's see you know sure. so now you start you start to make a lot of of business sense mm-hmm. we increase our employees from 3 we are now sitting with 8 employees full time on the farm and got about 6 employees on temporary base amazing so there's job creation on it amazing as well anyone to grow and build more lodges when i do things like i said to you ecotourism actually uh, for my side i don't even talk this ecotourism i'm talking um uh, we need uh, agritourism mm-hmm. because we got the element of goats where it's so interesting we got a client to come with small kids uh and he doesn't even understand he doesn't understand the where the meat come from or where the milk come from so as the adults go and hunt what do we do we take the kids they mm. go and raise the they go and raise the 
the the the the, the kids from the from the goats they spend a the day there they see the kids milking their mother you know awesome. you, don't, you don't understand the value add mm-hmm. take pictures but it's, as them. you said it's just an education you it's didn't education. know but you yeah. know now yeah and now you're empowering yeah. everyone else yeah. with the same knowledge yeah. that you have and the more you know the more you see that you don't know you want to know better yeah <laughs> i like it i like it andrew you're the man yeah thank, thank you but let's go thanks, shooting thanks, are you coming thanks, to shoot thanks, thanks, yeah yeah let's go shooting yeah okay, right i want well that's it for today I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life. Every once in a while, it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chase in the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.